customers that are really, really early in their in their kind of journey with surfing, um, and being able to build them something that's right for them, that kind of cuts through the marketing and the jargon and all the bullshit that comes with buying a surfboard, and just make them something that's right for them, that's going to help them progress, literally cuts years off their journey. Hello and welcome to the UK Surf Show. We are your hosts. I'm Pete. And I'm Leighton. On this episode, we speak to not one, not two, not three, but five shapers. Five shapers. But before we get into this interview, don't forget you can get 15% off Northcore. Anything you purchase at Northcore. So that is www.northcore-com europe.com and use the promo code surfshow15 and you'll get 15% off anything you buy from their store that is for our listeners only only yeah yeah Yeah, so the guys that we went to to see we were there for a long time weren't we We were there for like two hours yeah Yeah. i don't know how long we were there for we uh, well i don't know i know we got an ui burger afterwards that was lovely yeah (laughs) I was more buzzing about seeing the shapers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah, they were great. They were like, like, well, right on our, to excuse the pun, right on our wavelength. Yeah, exactly on our wavelength, and it was, you know, it was like talking to mates, wasn't it? We uh, we yeah. just had a laugh straight away. I honestly, felt like I've known him for a while. Like yeah, it, like, not like the first time we've met. Yeah. So we had Dom from Origin Surf Co. We had Marty from Mackerel Surfboards. We had Matt from Emperor Surfboards. We also had Duncan from Lister Surfcraft and Noah from Velamo Surf. Yeah, they were all lovely guys. And I a bit, mean, bit of a mixed bag. So some yeah, are some, some are doing wood shaping, yeah, t- timber boards, hollow timber boards. Some are doing timber boards with cork. Yeah. Um, and then there's obviously guys walk it, working with foam, and they do the whole thing, don't they? All yeah, glass and everything. everything. Yeah, everything. But yeah, really nice. You got to have a go at uh, shaping, planing, shaping, shaping. Yeah, with, uh, with a beautiful electric planer from the 1960s. I don't know if he was more excited about the actual planer. Yeah, or... I'm kind of into power tools because of my job, <laughs> and this thing was a work of art. Yeah, he's just done some really sleazy face looking at me about his power tools, and he's like two into his power tools. Little bit of a dribble. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, won't go there. But um, yeah, this was a really fun interview. Um, really difficult. It was an audio nightmare because of for you. Yeah, for me, not for you. No, not for me. I just had a laugh. Yeah, great. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was difficult to record, but it was really fun. I didn't have a mic, uh, so I had to share a mic with Leighton, which made it quite interesting because it sort of filtered me from saying the stupid things I normally say. Yeah. Maybe I should just not have a mic. Mate, yeah, because we kind of said about this was like, I don't know, like a really, really good podcast we really enjoyed. So maybe it's because you didn't speak. <laughs> might do. I might try that in future. I actually think it's because of the guys that we were talking to, mind. Uh, might have been. They were great. Loads, loads of banter. Should we just play the interview? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. So I'm Duncan Lister and founder of Lister Surfcraft. 
I make wooden surfboards and I'm basically trying to make wooden surfboards that weigh the same and perform the same as foam boards. Cool. Hi there, I'm Matt Andrews. Um, I just started shaping wood last year. Uh, I've just done all sorts of jobs in woodwork and carpentry and really love the craft and yeah, just basically taking that into the surfing kind of aspect of it. Perfect. Hi, I'm Dom DeLallo. Uh I own uh, Bristol Surfboard Repairs and Origin Surf Co. Uh, and I spend about 90 hours a week building and repairing surfboards <laughs> in Bristol. <laughs> hey, I'm Marty from Micro Surfboards. Uh, I build foam boards um, and I kind of specialise in some weird shapes uh, and some more kind of retro uh, design shapes. Cool. Hi, I'm Noah and I'm Velamo Surf. Uh, I'm a cabinet maker by trade and I make hollow wooden surfboards. Wow, cool. Right, so, yep, for, for my aspect of it, I'm a joiner and so, like, you three guys are the ones I'll probably talk to the most. No, no disrespect to you guys, but I'm just super interested in this. I've, I've got to make my own board one day. So, um, so how, how did it all come about? How are you all, all here? We all, um, we, we've all kind of collected together around Dom, ultimately, I guess, is the answer to that question so um we've all had fiberglass work done on our boards um through one uh, situation or another uh by dom and i guess we've all just connected through in that respect uh so yeah we have kind of like monthly monthly beers uh <laughs> at the moment and um, maybe weekly uh. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah weekly beers uh, so yeah, we we kind of came together in that respect and uh, kind of started to put our heads together a bit, I guess, as more of a collective rather than operating independently. Um, but yeah, all through uh, Dom, ultimately. So Dom's the uh, the tribe leader. We call him the godfather. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Marty calls me godfather <laughs> and he's the only person. It's done. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that it is. We it's quite, probably a cool, talk uh, quite a cool uh, nickname though, isn't it? Can't, can't be unhappy with godfather. That's I <laughs> mean, it's not the worst thing I've been called. No. <laughs> Yeah. So, shaping in the UK, how many boards? We've often said a thing, we reckon you need three boards for the UK to surf the UK all year round. Would you agree with that or would you say it's more, say it's less? I mean, personally, I believe you need eight to 12 boards. <laughs> and I, you have them uh, You can never have two, yeah. mate, really. <laughs> and if you find you need more, you should call Origin Surf Co. immediately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please edit that out. Um, no, so <laughs> for, for me, I run four personal boards. Um, I have kind of a high-performance board for the two or three days a year that I can use it. Um, at the other end, I, I run a really traditional longboard. Um, I always have sort of a retro stubby thing and a, a mid-length as well. Cool. And the mid-length probably gets most of the work, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Or are you guys? I, I get by mostly riding a mid-length. Um, most of my surfing career, I've just had one functional board at a time. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm thinking now probably at least three, something, something short and performancey, something a bit, bit fatter for the smaller days. And then ideally something for larger waves. Cool. It's the thing, isn't it? Once you start shaping, it sort of opens up the quiver a little bit. You start (laughs) thinking, I want one of those. I want one of those. Yeah. I've always only had one board, but the moment you start making them, yeah, you want five, you want six. You can't, can't actually get rid of any of them, any of them really. Well, there's no excuse not to. No, no, you just start loving them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I've, I mean, I've, I've only ever had the money really for one board <laughs> until no, I started, until, yeah, until I started shaping, and now it's, it's definitely growing. I'd say, yeah, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, I think like the UK's so 
different in terms of other spots that I've surfed that it can be can be super clean one day it could be super blown out the next day and choppy and then you know it'll be flat the next week and then there'll be like ripple sized waves it's just uh, yeah I think it how many balls can you fit in your house ultimately <laughs> is my response to that I think and i so can you talk us through so if you if you talk us through your different different processes of how so all the boards custom boards that you make i think everyone kind of has a slightly different approach this i mean i can speak to my own yeah so if i mean if everyone wants to go through their own approach of how how they do it i mean if you start here and then work your way around yeah that's cool yeah so um, I've got basically two main shapes that I do and that can be ordered just straight off the website, um, basically click through. Um, you can say the website. Uh, listersurfcraft.co.uk, that's Lister, <laughs> Lister with a Y. Shameless, shameless. And, um, it's, uh, <laughs> but then also I think, I think everyone kind of, well, custom boards tend to go really well and if you kind of, if you do custom boards, people always inquire about them and I'm always open to working on new shapes and working with people and recreating boards they've surfed before, you know, whatever, whatever they want. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't think, um, I'm quite at the same stage as Duncan yet. He's done a little bit more legwork in that kind of marketing department, but it's still very much kind of a hobby stage thing for me at the moment. But, um, yeah, I'm just basically pushing the Instagram. So it's emperor surfboards. Um, yeah, I'd like to be at the stage where I can offer kind of custom shapes because that's the most fun is working out a new shape with somebody or trying to find an ideal board for somebody or just making something really unique and beautiful, basically. Um, and yeah, wood's a great kind of starting material for something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, so, I mean, I've come from obviously a different place. Uh, <laughs> no, I know, a very subtle twang. Uh, so I, I mean, I f- shaped my first board about twenty years ago, which is really depressing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really flown by. Um, so the way I was kind of operating in Sydney, I was I was working kind of full time building boards for some large manufacturers, and then on the side, I had a, a business which was just pure custom. So I had no templates. I had it was literally a completely consultative approach where I'd sit down with the surfer. They'd kind of have an idea what they want and we build something from scratch. Um, here it's a bit different. I've found that um, often British surfers like to have a bit of a bit of guidance. The, the conversation sort of started out that way and then ended up being, well, what do you think I should have? So uh, what I've done now, I've got um, a range of six models that I, I base the boards on. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I have a, a stock range, but most of the boards that I make are custom, so um, kind of combining the two, being quite consultative and tweaking little things like rocker and concaves and fin position to suit the surfer, and um, yeah, and then obviously loads of custom glass and whatever they want, really. Do you find that British surfers want different things or ask for guidance more because you know certain waves around the world always perform the same as where you? Where you come out in the UK is different. Uh, you can you can be different half an hour to the next, you know? Yeah, totally. And it, just on that, actually, I had to majorly rethink a lot of my shapes to work here uh, because it's com- it is completely different from other parts of the world and it does vary a lot during the day as well. I think that's actually a really, really good point. I think one of the... One of the challenges here is that so many production boards that people kind of buy are really not designed to work here. They're designed to work at 
Chopu or Snapper Rocks or wherever, really, uh, that's probably not Britain. So, you know, as a result, there's so many people out there I see that really, really struggle um, on super high performance boards or production boards that really aren't designed to work here. So, well, that's why you're the godfather then. <laughs> like to to I, I find that kind of mind blowing how you, you can come come to somewhere else and just know oh that board's not going to work there you know that's uh, you know the only kind of experience we got that is oh you know it needs to be a bigger board because you need more volume for that wave or whatever but you're you're tweaking tiny things like rocker and things like that that's you've really got to know your stuff haven't you to to be able to do that uh yeah i mean i never said it was successful tweaking <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, well, no, you are doing. Was it ninety hours a week or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> I'm very busy. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's. I think that's that's one of the great things about surfcraft design is that it properly is a lifetime pursuit. You never stop learning, never. And I, you know, there's people I've worked with in Oz um, that have been shaping boards for fifty years that still learn something every single board. Wow. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? What's your kind of process um super organic so i generally i'm super selfish i tend to build something that i really want and you know or have seen and want to tweak certain things and then uh through like surfing those a little bit and then deciding i want to build something else completely different selling those on uh and then yeah other people seeing the boards and so one for example i i sold one of my old shapes to somebody and then their sister wanted a a custom so i i did a custom for them so yeah for me it's just an organic process ultimately um it sounds like the dream as well really you're just kind of making these beautiful things every day i'm at the luxury of having a an all right paid job where yeah i can spend some of my time doing yeah what i love and just work during the day so yeah that's i'm at a, a huge luxury yeah, i guess definitely. in that sense and um, i'd love to say that my process was organic as yours but it's not sadly <laughs> <laughs> i mean the material is very organic but um i think a, a lot of hollow wooden boards they start in the computer so yep. i'll i'll design everything in shape 3d or board cad mm-hmm. including the concaves the rail shapes pretty much everything the rocker yeah the length the width everything and then that will go kind of onto a template and then you kind of start from the inside out so it's a it's such a different process to shaping from foam so well, you're, yeah you're, but you don't have a blank to start from do you, you have no to create it's the blank, you so. just have air yeah. <laughs> 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 air and some wood air and a tree <laughs> yeah but yeah so it's very very different i mean at the moment i'm trying to create like a, like a bit like Dom actually trying to create a range of boards and a bit like Marty selfishly they're kind of designed for people a little bit like me or surfers like me um, I'm, I mean I've, I have done a few customs and I've got a couple of orders on before Christmas but yeah so I'm happy to do customs that on my surf uh, <laughs> but I am I am, I am build it, building a range at the moment which will hopefully be on sale next year so yeah. wicked um, yeah question then between the two differences between the boards I was talking to you earlier outside saying like once you've glassed it that's it you can't do anything else to it with a wooden board can you go back and change it or is it the same is it the same process is it still the same it's you're not going to be able to change the shape of it drastically really you've you've got such no like adjustments and stuff like that can they be made or once it's glassed that is the end of it no matter what you use it's kind of locked in yeah, I guess the only adjustment that you can make or you could make would be like fin configuration or either like adding fins in or, or 
potentially taking fins out but that would be the only time that i've seen things properly modified in in that sense so if you you know you had like something with side bites or you, sorry you had a long board and you wanted to add side bites you could add side bites or, or do something like that mm. so seeing there's you guys are kind of working together and there's foam boards and timber boards is there some kind of rivalry or I'd yeah. love to say yes, but we just all like each other too much. So, <laughs> sounded a little bit <laughs> fake. That <laughs> <laughs> no. it was really nice, like getting together, because I think all of us have been in isolation for a little while, and you know yeah, we connected through Dom. But you're aware of these other Instagram accounts in the city, and you kind of, I think it's a little bit intimidating, really, like knowing that there's competition out there. But then when you actually meet up with someone face to face, you're just like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> you end up being realising you're all really similar, which is no surprise given you all do exactly the same thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just been a really nice group to get along with. And I don't think any of us really feels like there's kind of likely to be any poaching or anything like that going on. It's, no. um, yeah. Matt, 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 Matt obviously <laughs> feels completely poach. different. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, poach that one. Thank you very much. No, I, I was just saying that it's, it's like really great that we all seem to be offering completely different things, even you know within the realm of wood or foam. Like there's such drastically different products that we're kind of putting out there that there's no chance of stepping on toes anyway. But it's just so nice to have somebody else with, I don't know, loads of energy and loads of passion and just to spur you on because you always have that time where you think, oh, what am I doing this for kind of thing. So it's really great just to have other people who have that drive, you know, surrounding you because, yeah, yeah, it's definitely... Well, and surfers generally, when, they're, when they really get into it and they, they buy a board and they know a certain shaper, yeah. they stick with that shaper, don't they? So that your personality is in every board that you make. Yeah, absolutely. So a bit that, too much of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like when you... When, <laughs> <laughs> when, when you go, well dodgy. <laughs> so dodgy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here you go. This board's got a little bit of me inside it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You should call it DNA surfboards. You'd be well away. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, this, this is why I do the engineer stuff and he talks more. <laughs> Pete's a bit of a child, so. <laughs> um, it's, you're totally throwing me off now. I was going somewhere with that, and then you started putting your <laughs> putting your DNA in it, and <laughs> um, yeah. So each one of you have your, has your own kind of style, and like so, surfers will fall in love with a certain you know shaper's style and stuff. So you you guys have regulars coming back, and like, do you have regulars coming back by multiple boards? Yeah, like, I've I've had a few guys come back and buy multiples. Uh, um, how, how many have you sold to one person? Uh, three is the most. Yeah. Um, so far. But I'm delivering his next one next week, so, so I'm expecting three weeks from now there'll be another order. But yeah, right. yeah. cool. So how well, as soon as somebody say commissions a board, say uh, I know we were talking about it earlier, like the the time. So how long yeah. does it generally take to? So that's the big thing that I've been working on is to. I mean, at the moment it's no secret that wooden surfboards are quite drastically more expensive than foam boards, and so I'm kind of working on a process to try and try and make them as uh, kind of reach as many people as possible um and so when i first started making boards well my first ever board was hundreds of hours to build that was me and my dad um he's the cabinet maker i learned my skills from um sort of doing it over the over the uni holidays and uh, eventually shaped this thing which is you know um not not the best board in the world but it's uh it's, it it's got no- <laughs> yeah it's got a lot, lot of nostalgia 
Uh, and I started making boards more regularly and I got it down to sort of, you know, a week or two per boards. Um, but at the moment I'm kind of a day or two, um, is, is what I've got it down to. And it's, that's, that's shaping it to the pre glass stage. Yeah. Um, and then, then it gets dropped off with Dom. Which then in turn makes it cheaper for the customer because you're, yeah, that's time. right. Yeah. I mean the, the hours are by far the most expensive part for me. Um, just, just being able to fit in the time to make a board. I mean, you know, maybe one day it'll be commercially viable. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But, but yeah, it's, uh, that, that's always been the big challenge and I think I'm beginning to get somewhere now yeah. yeah that's that's really cool what about yourself i i know we're gonna get rivalry now for, for who can make the quickest board nice so. yeah yeah this is it's very similar i mean the the ones that i've got to glassing stage so far are still sort of quite early days but i've settled on my final process and i think a lot of it is in the wood prep as well wood prep takes a whole lot of time if i'm gonna like for instance be book matching everything so you've got like a mirror line down the middle of your board that's something that some people have kind of done away with um but it's it's stuff like that that just ends up taking absolutely loads of time um but i think if i'm making you know more than one board at a time that you you cut your times in half you quarter them immediately so it's that and sort of just working out shapes and getting them from the computer into kind of the real world so I tend to use like CNC, but it's a lot of manipulation on an actual computer beforehand, and that's time that I need to get down as well. Yeah. So what you're saying is people need to buy two boards at the same time. Oh yeah, buy. <laughs> I, I'd advise three, three plus. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Godfather? Uh, yeah, so for me it varies. Um, I'm just ignoring the Godfather thing. Just to be quiet. It's going to move on. It's going to stick. <laughs> Oh, was it? Yeah, I know which one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so for me, I mean, obviously working with foam is a very different different process, but um, I'm, you know, completely hand-shaping, old school. Um, so short boards will be as quick as kind of four-hour shaping. Uh, long boards, I, uh, I, I have spent between seven and nine hours shaping long boards. Uh, it's a much more, it's a much more labor-intensive process because there's just, lots of very long curves you need to blend um and then glassing you know varies as well from sort of 10 to 20 hours depending on what you're doing per board and to give you some context there so that's hand shaping a foam board if it's a production board that's come out of a cnc machine that shaping process drops to about 25 minutes so from you know four and a half hours at best down to 25 minutes so like when people see a price discrepancy between a hand shaped board and a production board that's why there's a lot of extra work that goes in. What is the hardest part of the whole process? For, for me, well, it's, it's difficult because, I mean, shaping is not an easy thing to do. Um, it's, it, as I said earlier, it's a proper lifetime thing and you're constantly learning, constantly changing the way you do things, finding the best techniques. It's, it's sort of the whole process actually is trying to create something that's perfect with imperfect processes and imperfect materials. So it's, 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 that's the weird dichotomy building boards. But I would say the kind of hardest bit to get right is, is actually the glass, not the shape. Um, you can go really, really slow with the shape, you know, and um, you can kind of, if, if you have a little fluff, you can fix it. Um, if, you, if you mess up a glass job, that board is in the bin. That's it. I just want to point out that when you said that, we all started nodding. Uh, so uh, yeah so there's a reason Dom's got a lot of work (laughs) so if you go around how many of you have fucked up the glass in oh like so many times (laughs) one 
so you you add a you add a hardener to a resin mix. Mm-hmm. So it comes in two parts, and you um, you add a hardener to a resin mix. And I remember getting to the final stage of doing this fish, and um, and it, it was it's a, it had a gloss finish. So when you pour it on, it looks super nice. It looks like you know there's like mirror gloss cakes. It just looks like fucking incredible. <laughs> and then I walked out. And at this point in time, I was shaping out of my uh, my girlfriend's uh, parents' shed in their garden uh, and and like walked back in. So it's there's, there's a time process. It's normally about 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the, it gels. And then you can go and pull the tape. So you like walked back in the door and like 20 minutes later, and I forgot to put the hardener on it. Oh, so like this <laughs> fucking like last process on this board and it looked amazing. And then everything was just fucking dripping off. And because <laughs> I had some like some paint on it and stuff and some, some logos and stuff, all of those had melted because it got super just, it, it was just horrific and I had to just scrape it all off and uh, just go back. Yeah. Did, did you cry or not? N- uh, close to, <laughs> close to, I haven't cried yet, but um, I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's proper heartbreaking when stuff goes wrong like that. Yeah, I can it's imagine. proper heartbreaking. I can imagine. Well, I'm, I make, um, I'm a joiner, so I'm making like windows and staircases and stuff, and that's hard enough. But like, it's not uh, like what I was saying earlier. I make stuff for functionality, really. You, you guys are making stuff for playing on. You know, that's just it's just so beautiful. Like we're stood now in your in your shaping shack, and we're stood in front of this beautiful timber board, and I can't stop looking at the thing. So. I'm going to ask you the question that every surfer listen to it is going to would ask you when they get into a room with shapers. Can I have a board? <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm for free. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, so what does the um, what does saying on that ridiculous comment? Um, <laughs> what does the uh, what's the normal like? So what would your costs be? So if you're Someone, if I'm coming to you for a board, what would be the bottom end cost? To, I know it's a, it's going to be a varied question depending on what board it's entry level. To this has taken me nine years to make. You know, <laughs> uh, so like me yeah. personally, yeah, uh, just, just like your simple board. That yeah. Could... So the, the the cheapest board I have um, at the minute is a, is a short board. They start at five fifty, and then the most you'd pay for me is about thirteen hundred quid for a long board with all the bells and whistles. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a good price, isn't it? Especially you know for custom. That's custom board. You make an excellent point. I think it's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? Sadly, for me, it's it's. I'm starting at the kind of top end of Dom spectrum. So starting around eleven fifty, eleven hundred, and then up up to about two grand. That's because of the timber. Yeah, and just yeah. the just the time involved. So it's like you've. I mean, as. Matt was saying earlier, the timber prep is a process in itself. Mm-hmm. You've got all that, and then yeah, it probably takes. I don't know. Like it takes me three days at the moment to build a board from start to finish, and then I've got the glass glassing on top. <laughs> yeah, and like by comparison, I can build, I can shape six boards in that time. So it's completely yeah. fair that yeah. you're charging what you are. Yeah, I quite happily do a tenner off whatever Dom offers you. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll still be glassing. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I can guarantee there's going to be issues with the glass though. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yours is ten pound cheaper. Then. Yeah, yeah Ma- that is a deal. Yeah, macro surfboards. You know that's the guarantee that we offer. 
What about you guys? Uh, well, the, the difference would be um, cutting it out on a CNC as opposed to cutting out all the individual... Well, if you don't know about a hollow wooden surfboard, you've got sort of a skeleton inside, um, got sort of ribs and all of that lot, and you can cut those all out by hand, and that's a very long process. But if you've got a CNC machine, you've got it on a computer, and it's like a repeatable process, then, yeah, you can you can start a lot cheaper, basically. So I'd probably... For one that is like a repetition board, it would probably be around sort of the 800 mark. But then, yeah, like Noah was saying, up to sort of two grand, that's kind of the ballpark. Yep. Well, that's that's fair prices for, you know, something like a timber board, isn't it? So what about yourself? So, yeah, again, like working on the time has been the big thing that's helped me out. Um, so my, my basic shapes, the Explorer and the fish that I do, um, are the sort of 700 pound mark. Um, but then customs, obviously, depending on how much work goes into it, whether there's um, extra tech involved, like scanning previous boards or anything like that, um, kind of, yeah, whatever you want, um, every little bit adds a little bit extra on. So. Your rails, so the, there's two boards out by the, by the doors we come in, yeah. so your rails were cork. Was yeah, that right? that's right. So yeah. that was not a trivial thing to work out how to get working. I went through three boards in a row that actually, going back to the glassing mistakes, <laughs> um, basically get them out in the water, first surf, and within half an hour, you just notice it's feeling a little bit dead. You get it out, get out of the water and you've got two or three kilos of water in there. Because <laughs> um, you get little pen, pinholes, because the cork's so absorbent when you, when you put the resin on, um, it just soaks straight into the cork and it dries out the glass. And I knew this was a problem on the first board, but I thought I'd cracked it on the second one by just painting a bit of resin on the rails first. But it took a bit more than that to actually get it, get it working properly. Um, but yeah, I mean, they work really nicely. They're, they're good because they're lightweight. Um, corks are great, great wood to use. It's the only wood I know of that you don't have to cut the tree down to use. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, can, you can harvest a cork tree sort of 10, 10 15 times in its life. Um, and it's great stuff to work with. You can shape it just like foam um, with, with your standard kind of surfboard shaping tools. And um, yeah, it works quite well. Have you thought of doing a complete cork top? I've seen some boards have that now. Yeah, so with cork tops, you need something under it to support it because the cork doesn't have any tensile strength. And so that does get quite important when you've got a supporting surface. So the rail is great because it's got a little bit of compression. So if you hit a cork rail hard with a, you know, say say someone surfs into you, it has quite a lot of give before it'll actually crack through the fiberglass. Um, whereas if you have it on the deck, because it has got that bit of give, you'll end up kind of putting your th- foot through it if you try and use it as a structural material. So what you can do is have a cork layer over the top to make a sort of softer surface. So you've got a foam top kind of equivalent. It's not something I've done yet, but I'll definitely look into it. Yeah. So we were mentioning earlier um, that you guys are in Bristol, for anybody who doesn't know or listen to it. And Bristol now, because of the Bristol wave, has kind of been put on the world map, if you like, you know, in, in surfing. So I was listening to a podcast today and it was uh, some guys in South America, I think, talking about uh, the wave garden and stuff and the different types of wave machines are like that and they mentioned bristol so as you guys are shapers in bristol have you, have you noticed any kind of um up in business maybe because of it because you know now we you're bristol's been talked about as a kind of surf location I, i'd say definitely uh the social media aspect have had mm. definitely a, a higher rate of hits on that and def- and and inquiries through it. It hasn't sadly translated to sales yet, but I'm, I'm fingers crossed for that. <laughs> Maybe you should do the ten pound cheaper thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um, it it's a strange it's a strange market to operate in, really, because 
the, the I mean, obviously, Don mentioned this huge Chinese market that's out there, and they're spitting boards out super cheap. And generally, you know, if I go through all of my friends that surf, not one of them has a custom board. Um, so it's, and I don't think that comes through a lack of people wanting them. I think it's more to do with a lack of awareness. So like in Australia, I mean, I've never been to Australia, but I presume, I mean, surfing's huge out there. So there's lots of shapers out there and Mm -hmm. it's always been a historic thing. And if you wanted a board back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you had to go and have it shaped. You You couldn't not buy something that was hand shaped. It was impossible. And I think as in the UK, I guess the scene has developed more over the recent years. It's it's just become the norm that people go to those CNC shapes and and they they just buy from that market straight away. But there's like there's so much more out there, and it means you know you don't have to have the same board as the guy next to you. You can have some, something that serves completely differently. You can have you know something that suits your wave, your local wave. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, like fingers crossed it will start going that way. Um, but yeah, I think there just needs to be a bit more awareness. I think a lot of people just don't know that that we're here, that we exist. Mm. I think a lot of surfers as well. It's quite a big deal to get a custom made board. Um, I know a friend of mine wants to get one. I can't remember what he said he want, wanted to get. It was some something he's ridden before, and he wants that that shape. But the amount of time he spent thinking about it and like checking out, you know, he spent hours and hours like trawling across the internet, looking for all these different things and what he might like and everything. So I think it's quite a big deal. So it is going to be one of those things where even though you've got these customers and you've got, you know, the customers that are coming back for repairs and different things like that, it is something that is not going to be as, as frequent as just walking into a shop and going, that'll do that. You know, I can surf that. And as we were saying, with the waves changing so much or where you're surfing, you know, you could use something in one part of the country. It isn't, isn't necessarily going to work in another part of the country. Yeah, definitely. I think there's like a general sense of kind of, you need to be at a certain level to have a custom board or you need to be at a certain, you know, a certain type of person. You need to be surfing every day. And it's just not the case, you know, like Dom's boards, my boards, our boards start at you know five hundred quid upwards. Um, I've seen people post on you know like Bristol Surfers Group that they're buying a new board and they're buying this like seven foot mao and it's costing them like eight hundred and fifty quid. And my response to you know posts like that is just like you know go come speak to me like speak to Dom and we'll build you a board like either at that price or around that price and it's custom to you. And so it's um, yeah I I, I do think it's. Uh, people need to overcome that perhaps like elitist element or that that part where they they think it's beyond them because it's not and it's it's totally within people's reach ultimately it's it's completely accessible i think and i think there's another sort of aspect to this as well is that as as surfers i mean we're, we're a tribe right but we're also a consumer group and there are really big organisations out there that know that and we're marketed to quite heavily and we're fed kind of, you know, XYZ technology that, that you know, performs 25% better than a normal, like all that kind of marketing garbage. And it just sort of sucks all the magic out of it. Like there's something truly amazing that happens when someone with, you know, some passion spends time with their hands working material to make something for you to go out and have a great time on there's like that's where the magic in the boards comes from in my opinion and it's not sort of it's not 
sort of crazy expensive that people can't afford to do it. Um, I think there's just, as Marty, Marty said, there's a lack of awareness that that is sort of out there and there are people doing that. Um, and it would be amazing, I think, if people kind of jumped on that a bit more. Um, yeah, so I suppose it comes back to what you were saying earlier, about, um, particularly in this country, people want to be walked through. And, you know, like, because the waves aren't as frequent as they are in other parts of the the world. So maybe the surface just aren't as knowledgeable in this country. And obviously you are. So they, they come to you as a bit of, you know, like you said, guidance on what, what they actually want. And where, you know, I suppose you would ask them where they're surfing, you know, what are you normally surfing? And then, like you said, they'll get a board that's suited to them for a very similar price that they were going to pay anyway. So hopefully, like people listening to this might actually think that first no like it gives you the opportunity to get things right first time rather than spending 800 quid on a board that's come from china that cnc made that is or or may not be right for you and you know it's it it just makes so much more sense and it also gives you a really good insight into actual surfing so when you sit down with a shaper when you talk to a shaper and they ask you you know how many fins do you want and you're like well i don't know or like how far up do you want the fins? <laughs> How far up do you, fin- you want the fins to be? Do you want it more drivey? Do you want it more loose? And then you, it kind of sparks all these questions in your mind in terms of, well, yeah, like how do I want it to surf? Like how do I want to surf it myself? So, um, yeah. It's, it's really, really cool that you guys know that as well. You know, that you know how to tweak the board like that because that's, that's something I'd love to learn, like that kind of thing. So, um were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think there's quite a, lot of, um, quite a lot of fear around it as well when people are... I almost feel like it's the first time you have to get a, a trade-in to do something in your house. And you realise, you, hang on a minute, I don't know how to talk to a carpenter. And, um, <laughs> and you, you're worried they're going to be using all this terminology that you're not familiar with. Or like, you feel like... I think, I think there's a fear that it's going to be like an exam. Mm. And I think actually... It's, I mean, you've, you've heard these guys talking and it's not like that at all. There's, um, you're going to be guided through the process and you're going to get exactly the right amount of guidance for you because it's a, it's a tailor-made process. As you're saying the fear then, I was thinking, I think that thing is a lot of people that in this country don't know what they want or they don't know what they're going to change. To So that, that fear, that, that fear is the main thing of like, because if, if I was to come to you now and go, oh, I want a board, you go, what do you want? Um a big one with one fin that, and <laughs> that that would be about as far as i know i yeah. i don't know what the rock is going to do what you know what the difference is going to make I, I i haven't gone that far into it but the point i know is, the size of my board and i like to surf it the point is though that you don't need to know that and you can't have that conversation with uh, a marketing executive in a big company you need to have that conversation with the bloke who's making the board and trust that he knows what you need to be happy and so people need to get over the fear and kind of enjoy the process, I suppose, because if you're going to spend that kind of money, you may as well get your money's worth. And so it could be an experience coming like there is not another board like this on the planet. You oh, know? Th- th- there's not, you know, and that, that's the thing. And that's it, it's amazing, like, like surfing a board that's built for you. It's, it's like nothing else. And I mean, it's even better surfing a board that you built yourself. That's incredible. Well, that's what I was going to touch on, basically, yeah. Yeah. saying that that's something that is basically where i want to end up in about a year's time is running these workshops because that's the real beauty that i've found from shaping so far is sitting on something out beyond the waves that you've like made yourself is no feeling like that Mm. at all so it's trying to kind of 
package that up and offer that to somebody with the guidance and everything else of what shape they can kind of achieve and what's going to be right for them but having sort of the magic of oh I've made it myself which is you know it's just such a good feeling kind of dropping into a wave on something that you've spent hours on in the shaping bay basically well that's I'm I'm definitely going to come to a workshop of yours because, like, I have the skills to make it. I just don't have the knowledge oh, to make it. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I know he was, he was going to say like something about <laughs> knowledge or something. Then wasn't he? So, <laughs> got no knowledge in anything. That's what he normally does. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, he can't respond. This is great. <laughs> um, so, you about a year's time. Yeah, yeah, that's when I I kind of forecast I'll be a. Uh, better set up but i mean in about a month's time i'm running a workshop with a few of my friends just to kind of you know get tweak the processes make sure we can get it done in a certain amount of time make sure you know see what people enjoy doing in the workshop see what doesn't actually bring you a whole lot of benefit you know just and kind that's of that's in bristol as well and that's going to be in bristol as well yep. yeah so yeah that's with emperor surfboards so plug <laughs> <laughs> so and our, so I'll, you say I'll do that you a tenor off whatever emperor <laughs> <laughs> you say you say running workshops have you taken into account that i mean i've had people work with me before and i'm trying to word this politely in pc but they're not very good yeah yeah, yeah. like so if you had you know every, uh, what do you do on this this case what would you do where someone's going to come and do a workshop and build a board and they just cannot do it for sure it's it's a worry as well if you have a larger group of people that you're going to try and guide through a similar process basically and try and give everybody something within their means within a similar time frame i think that's why i need to take that year to kind of streamline the process i think, but I think there's a there's a fair amount that you need to do for them so so these people aren't going to have machines to prep the timber they're not going to have the knowledge of using i don't know shape 3d on the computer Absolutely. they don't want and a board doing all that, that looks like so our first boards you know so yeah. you, you gotta, yeah, you gotta yeah. kind of <laughs> the first process is yeah, guiding yeah. them through that and finding out what they want absolutely get something yeah. beautiful first time which is that's like an awesome thing to be able to do so the the difficult part of it really you guys will end up doing first you know like it's you said it's about mostly the head scratching you know that's taken yeah. all the time to kind of get to the stage where we are now where we can actually make a surfable product yeah because um yeah it, it was hundreds of hours like duncan was saying to get that first board and it wasn't particularly pretty you know so yeah. it's it's that is the thing that you're really offering is kind of all of that trial and error that you've been through mm -hmm. you, you don't need to put anybody else through that basically yeah. well that just shows what surfers are like you know a lot of people would do something once it doesn't work can't do it throw it away and you guys you not only did it fell once but it sounds like it went wrong a couple of times and you yeah. keep going and you, you need keep to be going. A bit obsessive i think yeah and yeah. then you like you said now your boards are down to like 12 or 13 hours and that wouldn't have happened without like the passion for for surfing yeah that's right and and like the glassing process as well is gonna be the same as it like you said earlier like your heart rate rises every time every you I, i've literally i've glassed thousands of boards and my heart's heart rate still jumps every yeah. time <laughs> yeah it's just you've got this finite period to make it work or not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that we might be having a go at shaping a Board? Yeah, right? absolutely. I've Good. got some lovely, really expensive blanks. <laughs> They're very uh, valuable. They, uh, they won't be worth anything after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you can have a go. 
Right, if you want to, if you want to tell us what you've got in front of you and the construction of it and what you've done so far. Sure. So um, this this is kind of like the midway point. So you've got an example of finished boards up here. So they're kind of immaculate, bright white finish, super smooth. So it's been been finished with a, a high high grade uh, high grade sandpaper or or screen. Um, so super smooth. It then goes to to this process whereby. Um, you have single layer uh, of laminated resin on the bottom and then two uh, layers of laminated resin on the top um, as a as a rule. Um, you can stick tail patches in, in weak areas or, you know, patches in the middle of the board whereby you might have, you know, that's popular in long boards where that's might be where you spend the most amount of your time. Um, uh, this stage, um, you this is what's called a lap line. So, um, the resin um, has been overlapped along the rail. Um, that gives it a super hard rail, um, which means you know if you're dropping it or hitting it off other boards, it means it's it's protected um, to a degree. Um, we've got FCS twos in here, um, so the FCS two plugs go in at the stage where it's been a finished shape. Um, Longboard fins, uh, fin boxes go in on the on the lamb coat um, just before the the fill coat. Um, so they go in at this process, the longboard fins. And then I've got another. It's, this is going to be a twinser. So I've got two FCS twos, and then I'm going to have a little twinser box. Um, so just a little single box that sits uh, just ahead of these. Um, and then from this process, these. Uh, Dom's done a lot of this this work already, um, and he's taken he's taken down uh, to an extent some of his overlaps um, on the glassing. He's done an amazing job. I've been a right pain in the ass and given him some super complex channels to work with, um, which I'm sure he hates me for. But on it, like. Yeah, <laughs> but he's done an amazing job um, with it. It's it's super hard to stretch this this um this fiberglass material around the channels so he's done a sterling job there from this process um we we've done with the actual fabric so um the the glass fabric then it goes to just a full resin process so you'll see that there's there's lots of gaps and holes between the weave um and what what we'll do is we'll mix up what's called a fill coat or a hot coat um, that fills all of these gaps um, and that makes it super smooth to a degree. Um, that fill coat then generally on shorter boards is taken down um, with sandpaper to like a 400 grade sandpaper and that's finished as a, um, ultimately it's like a matte finish um, and that's the more traditional finish on a shorter board. Um, with something like this that I want to kind of... It, it's a stinger fish shape. It's a super weird shape. Um, so I want to kind of make it stand out and pop a bit more. I'll put a gloss finish on it. So that's another resin process on top of the, the hot coat process. Um, so you could, you could stop at the matte finish if you wanted to, and that'd be it. So yeah. To, to get the high gloss finish, it's another process again. Yeah. It's, it's just a thinner, uh, coating of resin. Ultimately it's the same, it's the same stuff but it's just a thinner, harder coating of resin, um, which is polished. So it goes from a 400 um, finish on a mat to like a 1200 finish, so like a wet and dry sandpaper finish, and then a polish after that as well, generally. So is it, um, this is your own board? 
So this is one I've shaped, yeah. yeah. So I, I've shaped for, this. For yourself? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember at this beginning I said <laughs> <laughs> I was super selfish? Uh, so yeah, it's, I, this is based on um, uh, a shape um, from Ben Aper. So he was kind of like the pioneer in the 70s, 80s of these types of boards. It's called a stinger fish because it has like this, like kind of cut in point at the midway bottom half section and then it has a fish tail in there traditionally they were run with a with a single fin um so yeah i've done something a bit weird i'm sure it's been done before but put uh twin fins on it and then i'm going to make it into a twinser which has a little kind of fin ahead of the um of the of the main twin fin which ultimately should give it a bit more drive and hold uh in a wave does anybody else want to add to like what I've said or no I was just going to say about like finishes because that's what you're saying um, about leaving it either matte or taking it up to a gloss and like typically because I'll be mostly shaping sort of long boards and kind of fun boards mid length stuff you you would go up to kind of a gloss but it, it's kind of weight sensitive when you're shaping with wood you want to basically give the board uh, a similar feel to a foam board and you you can never quite reach that kind of the same the same weight that you would in a similar size board in foam so we well i definitely tend to keep it to just kind of the hot coat and it gives it such a nice finish when it is just that matte finish it looks much more natural like yeah. much more like a wooden so yeah, project you're, you're keeping the glass in process to an absolute minimum for sure and again you don't need the 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 two layers either because um you've got all that tensile strength in the wood um on the top and the bottom layer you i want to kind of minimize glass to to whatever degree I can. So I've been told that two ounce glass is is kind of a minimum that Dom does anyway. So we're just going to basically play around with taking that layer thinner and thinner and perhaps just going for a hot coat straight on the wood yeah. as, as a ceiling coat. So you mentioned you could almost like varnish it then as well. You mentioned earlier you could... To, to just do like a painted finish, if you like. Yeah, it, yeah. If you're willing to maintain it. Is, is, yeah, down to the surfer as well. If you were going to go purist from the kind of sustainability aspect and minimise the plastic, um, yeah, a, a varnish finish would be the best, like tongue oil or something natural like that. Mm-hmm. But it's the maintenance that comes along with it that your average surfer who's looking for a custom board isn't willing to take on. Uh, the fact that you would, you know, maybe a couple of times a year have to strip back or at least kind of, if you didn't want to add any weight, take that oil back to a very thin layer and kind of apply it yourself. It's a very labor intensive process. I'm sure, you know, as a joiner, oiling is a real pain in the ass. So yeah, yeah, exactly. If everyone gets an apprentice, then, then I'm sure we'll end up with a very sustainable, like wooden board scene, to be honest. So in that respect, if I tell you all what I did to my board, and then I want to see what your faces do, the fact that I spray painted it, we're up for a bit of experimentation. I'm about I'm about to uh, paint a wooden board. Yeah, I think that might be classed as sacrilege, <laughs> but I'm going to leave some of the wood finished. But I'm playing around with. Different uh, you're going to paint it white, like surfboard white. Yeah, yeah, just pure white the whole, whole way through. I might add a little wood, like wood line for a stringer, just to <laughs> smear that off. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I uh, actually first got into shaping boards by finding like snap boards and things. I was living out in Australia for a year and you just see like boards up, up at, the, at the top of the beach that have been broken in half and just left by the bins or something. And uh, I, I had really no budget at the time, so I could just afford a little pot of resin and that was about it. So I'd um, basically cut and shut boards together. And I had a, had a couple of short boards that I did that way. Uh, so you, you put you put a bit of uh, bit bit of wood into the stringer to to fix it back up. Come a long way, man. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then but then you've got this horrible join that you've just like hacked together with your like your your kitchen bread knife and like whatever tools and sandpaper you can find. And then yeah, a little little can of spray paint over the top uh, does wonders. <laughs> I've got an image of you. I'm sure you guys have seen the film um, Chasing Mavericks when the kid gets that. That, that was that, exactly what I did. That, yeah, I, I that, literally, that yeah. is cut and shut. That's the yeah. technical term. Yeah, 100%. Cut and shut, right? And, uh, you know, <laughs> if if you if you're gentle with it, you can get a few more months out of a board like that. But you're going to be gonna ready say, for it to go at some point. I was going to say this shaping sounds fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we say how hard it is and um, give it a go? You need to get the whole thing sharpened. Then, it's fun with the sharpening tool. Right. You never need to buy a new blade. No. So they're not. It's not disposable like no. the plates I would use at work. No, it's it. it I mean, we have one of these Hitachi. Yeah, um, that's exactly the ones I use. Is it? Yeah. They're they're fine, but they're not a patch on this. No. They, these cut so beautifully. So yeah, and just even I mean the engineering for 1960s as well. Yeah. To go into a um, I don't know what they, what that's called even, but like a curved brain blade. Yeah. No. Well, I've, well, I've, no, I've never Felix, never used maybe. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in true 1960s style, mm-hmm. there's no safety. <laughs> so, it's just the trigger. Just on and off. Just right. on and off. The depth, it's one of the things that makes this really good is the way the front shoe moves. Mm-hmm. So, you can go a full throw yeah. in one, in like a quarter turn. Yeah. Um, so, zero is zero. You can go past zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's notchless as well. And then, you know, the full. Oh, so, you've got a bit of analog. To the depth, yeah, yeah, completely. So you can, if you're cutting rail bands, you can start real thin yeah. and then go thicker through the rail and then as you back, move, as you go, yeah, take some skill. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what's that called? Uh, this, uh, it's a lever. The name of the it's a technical turn. I can spell it for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, sorry. It's it's a Rockwell planer. Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> where just dropped everyone to the floor. <laughs> so, so to describe the thing, and it's a it's a beautiful chrome uh, electric planer, but. Yeah, it does look like it's futuristic 1960s, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like their idea of the future. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, you'd, you'd see this on the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> and it is, like, it, it's almost like a mirror, isn't it? It's like it's pop, proper glossy. Yeah, I mean, I was so stoked when I got my hands on this. You just can't get them anymore. Yeah. Uh, and they, they shape so much nicer than modern tools. I can't, I can't even... Well, the yeah. blade is angled, like you said, it's angled and curved, isn't it? So, yeah. like the cutting edge is not one wall of cut. It's right. It, it, it kind of slices. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but even uh, just everything about it is awesome. It is a bit of a 
Give away though. Yeah. So, so do you? Would you also plane the timber stringer with that one? Yeah. You don't quite want not to not fine planing, but no, 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 no. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, you just—it's part of the process. So right. uh, the good thing about this is that you can take off really a lot of foam mm-hmm. if you go the full whack. Yeah. Um, it's you can probably cut three or four times deeper with this than you could with the modern player. And that copes with that. Yeah, it just rips straight through it. Just moves straight through. So um, what we might do is if I show you kind of an yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah, definitely demonstrate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to skin this blank, or at least the bottom side of it. So there's kind of, you can see it here, there's like a hard outer and then kind of softer foam inside. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is get rid of that outside layer. You'll be I'm just going to tidy up this finger a little bit. Be saying. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what we're going to do, we're going to use the the front shoe is going to go. We, we don't do this, basically. So you, you want to have it almost, <laughs> almost perpendicular to the to the stringer. Um, and you're kind of you're cutting bands along length to length. Don't go back and forth. Just go one direction. Um, and, yeah, I'll just, I'll just do a few passes. Sorry, I'll just tidy this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to do cuts at one sixteenth. Okay. Okay. Right, so how shit was his shaping? <laughs> honestly, honestly, he did a great job. It's uh, it's a really difficult process, and I have to say, he talked to it really well. So, I'm I'm a future shaper, maybe. <laughs> no, that that was that was good. It was a good experience. Like, it's definitely harder than it looks. So, you made it look really simple. Like the 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 uh, power tool you've got is just a work of art, and. Like a, a geek out about that a little bit just because of the trade I'm in, but um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But it is like, he- like you said, heavy and like difficult to use, and yeah. But yeah, well, thanks very much. I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't mess it up. No, when, no, when, no, I, no, when no. we leave, you're gonna go, Jesus Christ! Look at the mess yeah. he's made of this. Thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly believe, like quite passionately, that every single surfer in the world should make a board at least once. Yeah, because definitely. it's one of those things. Everyone knows how much they cost. No one knows what they're worth. Yeah, and there's so much that goes into every single one of them. So, yeah, but also I mean, there's a load of shit boards out there that we could probably make boards to fill their places. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, guys, thanks for having us here. It's been been really good. If you want to do one last plug for each one of you, because you're all in like the same place, but you all got your own little thing going on. So, oh, hang on. I've got an actual question that I just thought we didn't ask any of you. Where do you guys normally surf? I'm from Cornwall originally, so I have to go down, back down there, you know, to to snap up the waves. Um, yeah, it, unfortunately, it's mostly down the way of Polzeth and around that kind of area, to be honest. I mean, that's just where I grew up, surf life saving and stuff like that. And mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's where I go. 
Um, I'm skating. I've been skating a lot this summer. Uh, I haven't managed to get surfing too much this summer, unfortunately. But um, uh, I'm a Wales boy. I I like it out there. It's a bit more rough, and people are a bit more scary. And it's <laughs> yeah, all these these golden blonde Cornwall Devon lads. It's just Wales. just lost you. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, no, they're a good bunch. I, I I really like the Welsh, and um, I find the further so the further west that you go, um, and I do harp on about this. I've definitely harped onto the boys about this before. <laughs> um, the further west you go, that Pembrokeshire kind of area yeah. is just banging because you, whatever you know, if you've got a westerly wind, you can get a beach or a cove or a bay that faces the right way, and then you've got. You kind of that south point, south facing beaches, and it's just so many co- like coves. There's so many um, uh, harbors as well. So if it's really pumping and it's too it's too hectic, then you can find some of the harbors like Tenby and stuff are really really good. Um, yeah, Wales is the one for me. Oh yeah, I often say West Wales is one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. it's one of the cracking. Mm. There's yeah. there's points in West Wales. I've really got to be careful when I start speaking about West Wales. There's points in West Wales where it's amazing. I've said before, like, I've driven down a road and it's just barreling next to you as you're driving down the road. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God, look at this. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's hard to get to as well, I think, it's the other thing. It's not hard for Bristol, but, yeah, I guess you, d- you don't get a lot of the kind of southwest Devon lot that go there because yeah, you've got... you've got it right on your doorstep, Yeah, exactly. You? You know, that's that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice spot. Yeah, I'm I'm personally all over. Um, I'm a little bit nomadic by nature. And I, I think one of the great joys of, of surfing is being able to go off and explore new places. So, yeah, I've been hitting uh, anywhere with the bump in the water. Um, hitting, I was actually out West Wales a few weeks ago. I had a cracking session at, uh, at a great spot there that's reminded me a lot of home, weirdly. Um, the, way, the way the beach kind of worked was quite Australian. Uh, which I loved, but yeah, not because they were eating loads of pies. And no, no, not that, <laughs> not that. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, uh, Devon, Cornwall. There's just so many great spots to explore, and uh, I think like a lot of surfers, I like to try and find a, a little lonely corner mm-hmm. without too many people. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I just, I mean, mostly I've surfed in North Devon, but the last year or two, I've been really trying to branch out and get across to some spots that I haven't explored before. Um, the next next big trip's up to North Scotland in December, so I'll be investing in a new winter wetsuit for that. But <laughs> it's uh, yeah, trying to trying to get out and find some of the less touched spots is has been what's really been getting me firing with the surfing lately. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all over West Wales. Yeah, I love that place. I'm with you, Mike. Um, I mean, I mean, going all the way down right into right into Cornwall is incredible too. There's so many yeah. little coves too. But yeah, I mean, I do a lot of surfing with Dom. We pretty much. If he's surfing, I'm surfing. So it's true. I can't shake him. Yeah. <laughs> I should have said that the other way around. If I'm surfing, he's surfing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm surfing the first way. <laughs> That's like me and this dick. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we we go kind of everywhere. But. All right, brilliant guys. So yeah, if you just want to run around through quickly, and then as you say, just uh, give yourselves a plug. Tell us how great you are. Tell us how great we are. Tell us how great everyone is. Well, yeah, surrounded by all this talent, you know, they've got to know where to start. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm basically just saying, watch this space for Emperor Surfboards. Um, at the moment, I'm basically just offering customs, but I really want to branch out into 
workshops i'd like to make that sort of my bread and butter because it's sort of imparting that kind of experience to people that's that's what i want to do with surfboards and that's on instagram that's on instagram yeah at emperor surfboards and we're all collectively thinking about going sort of online together making a bit of a website where we can kind of as bristol shapers kind of show off Mm -hmm. our show off our various that'll be awesome let us know when you do that absolutely yeah we'll we'll do so thanks matt um yeah to marty from mackerel underscore surfboards on instagram um but yeah like i the biggest thing I'd say, if you're if you're interested, just come and have a chat. Like no one's forceful, and we're not. Uh, I mean, I am a salesperson, but I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I do work, I do work in sales, but you know, I'm I'm here to chat surfing, and um, yeah, don't be, don't let it kind of um, be scary to come and have a chat to us and just have a look at some of the stuff that we do. Dom's got a load of stuff in here. Um, he's got a load of example boards. I'm super happy to give out some of my boards that I've that I've made. So if you want to come ride some stuff, test it out, go to the wave, test it out, then uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. And just remember, I do ten pound off. Amazing. That are going to be made of cheese. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm going to have to put my prices up. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so I'm Dom from Origin Surf Co. Uh, If you want to check out my stuff online, it's originsurfco.com. Also, Bristol Surfboard Repairs, if you need something fixed up, I can help you out. Um, I've got a little shop out here in Warmley um, with, uh, yeah... Some some demo boards here. If you fancy going going for a surf and trying out what I do, you're welcome to to use one of them. Um, also got a little range of um, sort of useful surf hardware for sale. If you ever find yourself without fins or a deck pad or wax or anything like that, I'm uh, I'm just down the road. So yeah, brilliant. So yeah, Duncan from Lister Surfcraft. Uh, you can find me at listersurfcraft.co.uk. That's Lister with a Y, um, <laughs> and uh, and Instagram, of course. Um, I make lightweight wooden surfboards and um, I'm based in the heart of Bristol in Barton Hill. Um, same, I've got, got a range of demo boards people can try out, um, but you've got to get on it quick because I'm going to be in Australia start of next year. So I'm only around for the next uh, next six months or so. Cool. So I wonder what, then when you're an a Australian shaper. Yeah, that's right. If, you, if you're out in Australia 2021 and onwards, then uh, hit me up. Right. Man down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're only just getting to know each we've other. We've got then. space. If, any, if anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's interested in joining the fraternity, then let us know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, lastly, I'm Noah from Velomo Surf, which is at Velomo underscore Surf on Instagram. I do have a website, but I'm just kind of in the building process. And if you want to know what Velomo means, if you go to that website, you can find out. Oh. <laughs> get on there (laughs) um i've also got yeah i've got two or three two or three boards actually which dom's in the process of glassing so they'll be ready for for demos too which will be on the website soon as well so Uh, well thank you for inviting us down guys it's been brilliant you're all great laugh just like the our mates that we have and stuff so like you can see there's a lot of banter it goes on in here and it's just just a really good good vibe in here 
How have you, I guess, in speaking from a, an outsider point of view, how have you found like what we've been talking about today? Do you, do you feel like it's something that you guys would invest in or do you feel like it's something you'd look into now or, you know, yeah. something you've never looked at before? Or? I, I must admit, no, I, I haven't looked at ordering a customer. It's always kind of like the dream. Um, but like we said before, there's a bit of a stigma around it, you know, I'm not you know, a good enough surfer to know exactly what I want. Um, I don't have enough money, but now you guys have said, you know, like with the price thing, that's like just a bit of a myth, really. Mm. Um, but because of my background with the job I do, I think making a board would be the way that I'd, I'd love to go. I'd, I'd love to ride something I've made. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I will end up going. And then, you know, the money I spend on the board would be the money I spend to make it. You know, I might get Dom to glass it for me. Because really. <laughs> <laughs> it not. sounds like that's a nightmare. So. <laughs> Who wants to make me a longboard? <laughs> <laughs> right, we're not going to do a bidding <laughs> war. Let's stop yeah. that now. Right, we're no <laughs> race to the bottom. You're going to have, yeah, yeah, go you're gonna have yeah. five yeah. longboards in six weeks. Yeah, I, I really think, I, I thought the same thing I was saying. There's like a stigma around... Um, you know, around having a custom board made. I was saying to Dom earlier that you have that feel, especially in the UK, like as everything changes so much and, you know, you don't know what you're going to need. You don't know if you, you don't, you don't think, you know, I think in the UK enough about surfing because you see these places around the world of these perfect barrels and like people like, you know, like you were saying, tanned and perfectly, you know, body shapes and everything like that. And you think, well, I can't possibly know enough. I'm nowhere near that sort of standard. And you think in the UK, it's not something that's, without sounding, I said to you earlier, it sounds like something like a rich, arrogant asshole would do. You know, that I think that's the stigma with it. Like, it's only these people that have those custom board made oh i've got a custom board made that sort of thing but when you really start to look into it and look into the prices of it and you know the things you can do and it it would makes and and it would just make sense it just makes sense to get a custom board made than go and buy something off a shelf which is yeah yeah i mean i i think it's worth mentioning like i've had a heap of customers that are really, really early in their in their kind of journey with surfing, um, and being able to build them something that's right for them that kind of cuts through the marketing and the jargon and all the bullshit that comes with buying a surfboard, and just make them something that's right for them that's going to help them progress. Literally cuts years off their journey, mm. you know. So like, it's it's not the case that you need to be a pro or twenty years into the sport. To, to see the benefit from it you can you can get that from day one it's about making sure that you're on the right craft for you to make your experience the best that it can be I th- yeah I, I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, yesterday I think actually and I remember one of you saying the best thing you can do if you go back in time is to have a lesson mm-hmm. I'd, yeah I've never had lessons but I probably would agree with that yeah um, and the second thing I would do is just speak to someone who could tell me what I should be riding yeah because mm. Yeah. you don't <laughs> we've all yeah we've all been there and i think i've even heard you guys talk about it in the on the podcast of like you know you go out you have a lesson you start riding some white water and then you're like right onto the fish you know mm. Wh- what's the smallest size fish that i can that i can get because it looks rad but mm. it's that's why i keep building them <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's it's I, yeah it's that advice and it's and again if you want to come and you want to have a chat like chat to dom chat to me chat to any of the boys and hit us up on instagram and ask what what you what we think or like what we would suggest because 
um yeah it's super important yeah well yeah. we do links to all of you individually and all of you as a collective and i really like your little shaping shack pub next door just awesome so uh and it, you look like you're having a great time as well as like making these beautiful works of art so if anybody ever comes down here that you're just gonna see all these lovely boards around and uh and like real craftsmen working so like really appreciate it guys thanks very much cool thanks, nice. thanks, thanks cheers for that guys what a great evening yeah that was a fun evening a hard evening uh well for me it was a hard evening um because the audio thing yeah. with the amount of people yeah yeah but yeah you were buzzing all the way home and you know i've been buzzing for two days after that yeah. it's just really nice to meet like lovely lovely people and that you just kind of click with and yeah to, loved every second of it yeah and uh it's definitely made me think that i'm want to get a custom surfboard it's taken away that stigma that i've always had with it of like the person who's got a custom surfboard is a bit arrogant a bit whatever mm. it makes perfect sense to get a custom board made by you know by a shaper who can talk to you and tell you or ask you as 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 don put it to me he's like I'd ask you, you know, what you want. What do you want to get out of surfing? How do you want to ride a wave? And then we'll make the board to that. Yeah. So it's gonna, it's almost you know. like uh, he's going to help you progress. If you look at it that way, yeah, you're going to, you know, this is how I surf. And he's right. This is the board you need to be able to be the best surfer you can with your ability, which is, I definitely need as much help yeah. as possible. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like you asked me, what do you want? I was like, one fin and to ride the nose all the way into the beach. That's, that's <laughs> it. I, if I did that for the rest of my life, I'd be smiling. Continuously. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, maybe catch a barrel or two, but <laughs> yeah, that just, I, lo- I love nose riding. I just absolutely love it. Well, you know, if people are looking to get custom boards, these are definitely the guys to, to go and check out, aren't they? Yeah, um, yeah. You got you know you got all the guys up there. We had an absolutely brilliant night. Um, you've got Dom at Origin Surf Co on Instagram. You've got Marty at Mackerel Surfboards, and you've got Duncan at Lister Surfcraft. Yep. You also have uh, Noah at Velamo Surf, and you have Matt at Emperor Surfboards. Yeah. So those guys, they're all on Instagram. We'll put links in the uh, in the description and it'll be on our Instagram page as well. So go and check them out while you're there. If you want to like and subscribe to any of our stuff, we'd you know, really appreciate that. Yeah, it's pretty helping. You know, yeah. Well, talking of helping, <laughs> someone else is helping now. Uh, I, I've... Uh, I've um, relinquished some power and uh, let me have the login for Instagram. Yeah, so when it all goes wrong now, you know who to blame. <laughs> well, I know who to blame. No, it's just uh, with everything, with editing and everything, it's all getting too much. So like, like it's me and Leighton both on the Instagram and the email now. And um, yeah, making him do stuff, making him work for you. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? It's all right. I don't know what, you can, what you've been complaining about. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I'm going to have the mic and you can have the, uh, the buttons, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll forget to press record or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but anyway, we hope you enjoyed this uh, this week's episode, and um, we'll see you all again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers. See you later.